Hey, this is Pastor Jeff Workmeister of Elevate Church, and welcome to our podcast. I want to thank you for listening today. I hope this inspires you, encourages you, and builds your faith. Enjoy the podcast. All right, you ready? Oh, that was not ready. That was not ready. Look, 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 I need your help, okay? So have any of you ever had a night where you just can't fall asleep? Anybody? Yeah, that was my night last night, okay? I, uh... I finally looked over at the clock and it was like 4.30. And I was like, Lord, I need to sleep. So listen, I haven't had a lot of sleep. I, need, I just need you to, to be happy right now, okay? I just, I need you to smile, okay? Don't, don't make me work hard right now. Just be like, yes, that's the best thing I've ever heard, Pastor Jeff. Amen? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I don't know if she's in here right now, but can we give it up for Pastor Jessica? She did an amazing, amazing job last week. Um, I uh, was super proud of her as a husband, but just to be honest, she's just a great communicator. And uh, you would have no idea how many times she wanted to throw up last week uh, getting ready uh, to speak. And so... Um, ladies, we're excited. June 4th, we have our sisterhood event. Make sure you go and register. Uh, come to that. Jess is going to be speaking again, and it's just going to be an awesome night for you and worship and getting away from your kids. You should be excited about that. Leaving your kids at home with dad. <laughs> All the dads. <sighs> I love when I call a dad, and I'll be like, and I'll hear it in their voice. I'll be like, "What's going on?" And they're like, "I'm here with the circus right now," and they're like, "You know, my wife's gone," and I'm like, "All right, I'll call back later." You know what I mean? So, um, but ladies, it's gonna it's gonna be great. Hey, um, we're gonna continue um, with kind of a message I spoke a couple weeks ago uh, called "Fan the Flame." Uh, if you weren't here a couple weeks ago, that's all right. You can catch it on all the streaming platforms. You can go on YouTube, watch the message. I encourage you to go back and watch it. Um, if you've got a Bible, pull out your Bible uh, real quick. We're gonna go to 2 Timothy. Come on, let's pray. Father, we love you. Holy Spirit, we ask for your wisdom, your revelation, your understanding right now. We need you to breathe life into our souls right now, in Jesus' name. Everybody agree, said? Amen. Okay, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 6. This is Paul talking to a young Timothy, and he says, I'm writing to encourage you to fan the flame. Fan into flame. What does this mean? It means this. A flame is hot. A flame has passion. A flame is alive, okay? And so we're talking about right now in this season not getting distracted, okay, and losing our flame and our passion and our desire for Jesus. He goes on and says, rekindle the fire of the spiritual gifts God imparted you when I laid my hands on you. So Paul is talking to Timothy about passion, desire, being white hot for Jesus. Now, I don't know about you, but I enjoy hot, fresh food. Can I get an amen from anybody, okay? 
If I go to a restaurant and that food isn't fresh, I promise you it's going back, okay? And I'm praying that they don't spit on it when they send it back to me, okay? I want it hot. I want it fresh. I am not a leftovers person. Any leftovers people in here, all of you are like, eh. Now, listen, I'm praying for all of you to get saved, okay? All right? I'm just not that person. Now, something happened a couple weeks ago that just brought the glory of God to our region. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Wait, somebody said it. Wait, wait say it real loud. What did he say? Krispy Kreme donuts, everybody. Oh, what, are, what is wrong with you people? What is wrong with you? It is awful. It's like eating a heart attack, but it's the greatest thing ever, okay? Listen, when that hot and fresh sign is on, okay, have you ever put a hot, fresh donut in your mouth? Okay, listen, it's not even like you're eating the donut. It's like you're drinking the donut, okay? It's just like you're slurping it down, okay? It is something special. When those donuts are hot, I went into the store the other day. I swear I was in a trance for five minutes just watching the glaze just, just fall, just pour out on these hot, fresh donuts. And I'm like, you're going to be in my belly soon. I promise you, God. Now, how many of you know this, that when you go to Kroger, like I was at Kroger the other day, okay, and they have Krispy Kreme donuts. How many of you know that is, they're, they're just awful, okay? They're just, they're just terrible, okay? They, they're all, they're all, you know, wrinkly, and they're, you know, shriveled up, and they're dry, and they're stale, and nobody wants these donuts, okay? And if you do, God bless your soul, okay? But I want them hot, and I want them fresh. And so God talks about hot and fresh. He talks about it in the book of Revelations, okay? And, and I love that God talks about lukewarm, meaning this, God doesn't like leftovers either. So he is right there with me, supporting me on that end. But here we go. Revelations chapter three, verse 16 says this. But because you are neither cold or hot, but lukewarm, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. I don't know if you've ever had a hot day and you go to grab a bottle of water and you're ready for just a cold drink of water, but that water has been sitting in the car all day and it is just lukewarm and it's just warm and you put it in your mouth and you like instantly want to what? You want to spit it out. I remember when I was a youth pastor, I would tell our students this. Either live hot for Jesus or totally live like you're going to hell. See, the problem is that we've grown up in a lukewarm United States of America church. That's the problem. That it's just normal to be lukewarm. It's just normal to be like, well, I just go to church to check in. Or I go to church because it's the right thing to do. Or I go to church because I, I just, I need to feel a little better about myself. No, Jesus, this is not my words. 
This is Jesus' words. He says, I would rather you be ice cold or be hot. I, I'm, not, I'm not good with this lukewarm thing. Does that make sense? And so what is Jesus doing? He goes, I'm giving you a chance to repent. See, I know we don't see it that way, but this is how Jesus sees it. This is how Jesus sees lukewarm. He goes, I'm not good with it. I'm not, that's, and can I just say this? This isn't how the rest of the world lives for Jesus because they can't live this way for Jesus. It's just we live in America, right? Like when you live in another nation and you're living for Jesus, you're living for Jesus with the idea of what? I can lose my life for Jesus. It's that serious. So Jesus goes, I'm not good with this, so I'm gonna give you a chance to repent and do what? Come back to this place of passion. He wants passionate people living for him. Now, listen, I'm not saying that you gotta be the person on the side of the road telling everybody they're going to hell. Like, that doesn't help anybody, okay? Can we just get an amen for that, okay? That's not helping anybody. We don't need that. But we need people who are alive. And, and listen, can I say this? Serving Jesus isn't a seasonal thing, okay? And, and we treat it that way in the American church. Like in the fall, in the winter, we're real excited. We're real passionate about Jesus. Why? Because there's nothing to do outside, okay? But then the sun comes back and we all lose our minds. And what happens? Serving Jesus becomes something seasonal, right? Like we come into service and we're worshiping, but we don't worship with the same intensity and passion. Why? Because we're like, man, Pastor Jeff, like it's 85 degrees out today, and I'm ready to get to the ball game. And listen, I, I, I get that. I understand that. But Jesus doesn't change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. Like, always the same, right? Okay? So serving Jesus is nothing seasonal, okay? It is something that he wants us to be passionate about all the time. We're called to be, listen, this is why I said a couple weeks ago, this summer, let's do, let's do this. Let's not stop giving because it's summer. Amen? Like, I know you're going on a trip, but you can budget. I do. But you know what comes first? Jesus. It doesn't matter what time of year it is. He's always first. He's the first thing that I always give to. Always. He is first, first, first fruit. Always. Let's not stop serving. I told our staff the other day, just because it's summer, doesn't mean that it's not somebody's first Sunday. Right? Like, I guarantee it's somebody's first Sunday in here. And if it's your first Sunday, I'm so happy you're here. I am so happy you're here. Yes, I mean, come on. I am so happy that you're here. But we treat the summer like the seasonal thing, and we become distracted, and we get lukewarm. And so Paul is talking to Timothy, and he's going, hey, listen, Let's talk about something. He goes, I'm writing to what? I'm writing to encourage you. I'm reminding you. I'm helping you to remember that this thing, serving Jesus, is the most important thing. It's the most important thing. The very most important thing. And so today we're going to talk about how do we fan the flame? How do we make that, like, 
applicable to our real life, like day in and day out. So go with me uh, to the book of John. We're going to land in the book of John today. John chapter 21. I encourage you, bring a Bible, bring something to write notes, use your phone. Don't get on Twitter. Don't get on Instagram with your phone, okay? Take notes. Let God speak to you, okay? Verse one. Later, Jesus appeared again to the disciples, okay? What's happened? Jesus has just been resurrected. This is exciting news, okay? Jesus just went to the cross. He was beaten. He was whipped. He was nailed. He then went to hell for you and me, took our place, paid the price. Come on, somebody, And then Jesus does what? He resurrects from the dead. He's alive and he's coming back and he's showing his followers, hey, I'm alive. Jesus appeared again to the disciples beside the Sea of Galilee. This is how it happened, verse two. Several of his disciples, Simon, Peter, Thomas, Nathaniel, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples, they were with them. And in verse three, it says, Peter said, I'm going Fishing. And they all said what? We'll come too, they all said. Point number one today is this. Lose heart. Peter has lost heart. He's lost passion. And if any of you have ever served Jesus for any amount of time, you know what this is like that there are seasons that you can lose heart. And Peter has lost heart because he feels what? He feels unworthy. And the reason he feels unworthy is because he just had a few days ago when he denied Jesus three times. Why? Because he's a man and he has flesh, right? And when we have flesh, we make mistakes, right? But the problem is when we make mistakes, we don't see ourselves through the eyes of Jesus and his grace and his righteousness. All of a sudden, we go back into these old feelings of unworthy and shame and guilt. This is the problem most of the time when we get into worship and people aren't worshiping. It's not because you don't love Jesus, and it's not because Jesus' presence isn't here. It's you feel unworthy, right? And when you feel unworthy, when you feel darkness in your soul, and you feel like I'm I'm guilty, I'm shameful, when, when you feel guilt and shame, you don't want to be close to the one that you feel guilt and shame from. But the problem is, he's not the one bringing the guilt and shame. So we get into worship and we feel unworthy and we want to retreat from God, not run to God. And so here's Peter. He feels unworthy. I've denied Jesus. And I understand how Peter's, how he feels. When I make mistakes, I I feel unworthy. I feel guilt. I feel shame. And so he feels like I've failed the Lord and, and I have this issue. Now, here's the deal. When we have flesh slash sin nature in our life, and let me say this, we all do. 
We all have stuff. If you were perfect, you would just go be with Jesus right now, okay? He would just rapture you right now. But the problem is we're not perfect. None of us are, okay? We all have stuff. The problem is when we don't deal with the stuff, when the Holy Spirit reveals it to us, because that's how good God is. When God reveals an issue in your life, it's not to make you feel bad, okay? That's not what his revelation does. His revelation reveals a problem in our life so that we can find victory in our life. So he can bring grace and victory. Like, I always say this, and I mean it with everything inside of me. Jesus didn't die on the cross so that you could live in, in your junk. He just didn't. He died so that you could find victory over that addiction. Amen? So, but the problem is when we don't deal with it, that sin nature, that flesh, it always wins. So what happened when Peter got into the courtyard and everybody started accusing Peter? The problem was he had a fear of man that he never dealt with. So when everybody started going, hey, you're the follower of Jesus. I know you're the follower of Jesus. And listen, can we give Peter some credit? Like Jesus had just been arrested. Jesus is getting beaten. Peter knows that they're about to crucify Jesus. Like, I'll be honest, I don't know how I would have reacted in that moment, right? Like, let's just put some human on Peter. And, and Peter just has a moment and he freaks out and he denies Jesus three times. Why? Because he's never dealt with the fear of man. And so when the fear of man rises up, he goes, I care more about their opinion than Jesus' opinion. We all do this. We all have moments where we go, I care more about what somebody's saying or thinking about me. Can I just say there's just a lot of stupid people on the internet? I know, I know I said that wrong, okay? But I didn't say it wrong. There's just a lot of stupid people on the internet, okay? We, we posted something on, on what, what, Facebook the other day? Just read me the comments for 15 minutes of what people thought about what we were selling. I couldn't believe what I was hearing. I was like, this is unbelievable. You care this much? You have this much time to write a paragraph about what we're selling? Listen, people are gonna have thoughts about you. Who cares? Who cares? Either we serve them or we serve Jesus. I'm just getting really real today, amen? So Peter has this issue he fails, he feels unworthy, he feels shame. He's what? He's disappointed in himself. I've felt that before. I, I do something, I say something, I react the wrong way, flip somebody off on the highway. Can I get an amen from anybody, okay? Oh gosh, you guys are way too holy for me today, okay? I know you're just so, so righteous, okay? Listen, you're disappointed in yourself. So what does Peter do? He goes, I'm going to go back to what's comfortable. I'm going to go fishing. The second thing that happened with all the disciples, all of them that went with Peter, is this. They all think that Jesus lost. Right? They all think he lost. 
They all think the enemy won. Why? Because they can't see him anymore. This is the first time that Jesus isn't around. And they think, man, Jesus went to the cross. He died. It's over. And so what happens? They lose heart. They think, they think, they think, right? They think the enemy has won. But the problem is the enemy hasn't won. Let me show you this verse. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 19. I pray that you will continually experience. What does God want? He wants us in every season, spring, summer, fall, winter, spring, summer, fall, winter, every year, year after year. He wants us to continually experience him. But the problem is we treat Jesus like a microwave, right? So when we ask the Lord, when we pray about something, we live in such an instant culture, an instant moment, we're like, we feel like we're rubbing, you know, a genie bottle. And we're like, here, here, here's my request, God, and I need you to do it on my terms and my timing. And God doesn't live in your terms and your timing. And that doesn't mean God doesn't love you. And it doesn't mean that God doesn't care about what you're talking to him about. He cares about it deeply. It's just he's working out his plan and his timing. And so Ephesians says, I pray that you will continually experience God, continually experience him in the good seasons and the rough seasons, because we're going to have both. It goes on to say this, the immeasurable greatness of God's power, meaning this, there is no limit to what God can do. He is the God of the impossible. I said, he is the God of the impossible. He's the God of the impossible. There's no limits to him, none. So whatever mountain you're facing, it feels like a mountain to you. It's a molehill to him. And he's already saw how you're gonna have the victory. I know you don't know how you're gonna have the victory, but he's already seen it. He knows it. And he needs us to not have microwave faith that when it doesn't happen right away, we freak out and lose hope. See, they thought that Jesus lost, right? Why do you think they're going fishing? They're depressed. They're upset. They've lost hope. They've lost their way. And they're like, fine, we're just gonna go back to what we know. We're gonna go back to some comfort. They think that Jesus lost. This is how God works. We're like, God, where are you? And he's working in the background and we can't see it. And he goes, I just need you to hold on to me with faith. I need you to trust with me in faith. Hold on to me in faith. All right. John chapter two, I mean, John 21, sorry, that was, that was totally my fault. John 21, verse three. So they went out on the boat and they caught nothing all night, okay? Now this doesn't make sense. These guys were fishermen before. 
right? This was their, like, skills. This was their profession. They were good at this. And so it says that they go out and they don't catch anything all night. Point number two is this, no grace. No grace. So I remember when I was 33 and I was a youth pastor. And I'm not by any stretch of the imagination saying that 33 is old, okay? And I'm about to turn 41, and it's not old, okay? Not at all, okay? But I was 33, I was a youth pastor, and it was really comfortable being a youth pastor. Like, I had done youth ministry for a long time. We never did youth ministry to take another step. We loved youth We loved kids. We loved doing it. It was the passion of our soul. We turned down senior pastor jobs. We turned down uh, campus pastor jobs. We turned down all kinds of positions because that's what we loved to do. But the problem was, the Lord was telling me to start this. So I'm a youth pastor and I'm doing everything everything that I've always done. And we were good at it. I mean, we had a youth ministry of over 600 kids at one point. Like, you can't not be good and have those kind of results. Like, we were good at it. And we were doing it, and we were working so hard. And I remember feeling on Sunday nights, because youth was always on Sunday nights. I remember, like, going home feeling like, why am I exhausted now? Why do I feel like nothing works anymore? Why do I feel like there's just no grace? Listen, I'm about to tell you why there was no grace and why they didn't catch any fish, okay? Matthew chapter 10, verse one. It says this, Jesus gathered his 12 disciples and imparted into them what? Authority to cast out demons, to heal the sick and every disease. So the problem is this. There is no grace for them to fish anymore. Why? Because God has graced them to preach the gospel. God's graced them to cast out demons. God has graced them to heal the sick. And because they go back to what is comfortable, they find themselves in this place where they're going, why can't we catch any fish anymore? Why? Because there's no grace. The problem is God's moved on. And we do this all the time with the Lord. The Lord speaks to us, right? And we don't necessarily like what he says. And so we just go back to what is comfortable. So the question today for yourself is this. What are the things that are comfortable in my life that I run back to? What am I consistently running back to? But the problem is Jesus isn't there anymore. I'll never forget a couple years ago, I had a a real good friend and he kept asking me when I was doing, starting Elevate, he would keep asking me to come back and speak at his youth retreats. And I remember the last time I spoke at his youth retreat and the Lord goes, why are you here? I said, I don't know, I love students. He goes, I don't care if you love students. I don't have an anointing on you for students anymore. I have an anointing for adults. You don't belong here anymore. And I remember when that weekend was done, I looked at my friend and I said, I'm sorry, I can never do this again. Jesus isn't there anymore. 
I was going back to something that was comfortable, that was in my past. All right, verse four. At dawn, Jesus was standing on the beach, but his disciples couldn't see who he was. Verse five, he called out, followers, have you caught any fish? No, they replied, okay? Point number three is this. Jesus knows the answer. Jesus knows the answer, okay? Let me tell you something. God never asks questions to learn something, right? When God asks a question, he's God. He, like, remember in the garden where he was like, hey, Adam, where are you? <laughs> Come on, like God knew where Adam was, okay? Right? So he's asking them a question. Hey, have you caught any fish? What he's doing is this. He's trying to prompt their hearts. He's asking them a question so that they can come to a place of revelation in themselves. God wants them to wake up. He's asking them, hey, did you catch any fish? And in their heart of hearts, they're going, we should be catching fish. We know how to catch fish. But they yell back, no. What does God want? He wants them to come to the place where they go, why are we fishing right now? Why are we out here right now? There's times where God will prompt your heart and you'll go, why am I doing this? Why am I responding to my spouse this way? Why am I reacting this way at my job? Why am I dealing with this situation out of pressure and stress and not out of grace and light? Why? Why am I responding this way? He's going, I need them to wake up to realize, like, why did they all run when he got arrested? Except for one, and we'll talk about that later. They all, they all left. He's wanting them to deal with why am I scared of Jesus' response? See, when we fail, it's so interesting to me. When we fail, we actually run from God when we should run to God. It's, it's such a weird thing. Like, we think that he's not going to accept us. We think he's going to be mad at us, frustrated, disappointed at us. Instead of running to God, we run the other direction. And he's prompting their hearts. He knows the answer. He wants them to come to the place where they go, why am I doing this? Right? Verse 6. Then he said, throw out your nets on the right side of the boat. Okay? Now, this makes no sense, okay? Um, I've been fishing probably like two times in my entire life, okay? Like, I mean, I know you all think I'm a terrible person, okay? Grew up in the city. I, I'm not like a, like a fisher guy. Like, listen, if you take me fishing, I promise you I'm not even touching the worm, okay? I'm not like putting the worm on the hook. Like, that's all you, and if I catch anything, you're taking it off for me, okay? All right? So I remember Jess's dad, he was like, I want to take you fishing. He loves fishing, okay? And so we went to this place, I think it was called Angola in Indiana, Angola, okay? It was like the middle of the summer, 
And that night before we went fishing, we slept in this camper that had no air conditioning. You know, it had like sticky mats. So you're just like, you're like you know what I mean? You're like body sticking it. And, and I just sweat and didn't sleep all night. And then five o'clock in the morning came and he was like, you ready to fish? And I'm like, no way. You know what I mean? And we went out and we fished all day. He caught probably 12 bass and I caught nothing. Okay, nothing. Now, if there's one thing that I know about fishing, this is probably the only thing that I know about fishing is this, okay? You get out deep into the water. So when Jesus says to them, throw your nets on the right side, this makes no sense to them. Why? It's the shallow end. They're going to throw it on the left side because that's the deep side. So Jesus goes, throw your nets on the other side. So they did, it says. And then they couldn't haul the nets because there was so many fish in the nets. Point number four is this, new strategy. New strategy. God will give you new strategies. Listen, he knows what you need. And he also knows what you want. And I'm not going to, I'm not preaching a message about God's going to give you everything you want because I don't, I don't believe that because I want a Ferrari and I don't know, you know, <laughs> I don't know if God's giving me a Ferrari, right? But I am going to say he does care about your desires. The Bible tells me that in the book of Psalms. So God knows what you need. He knows what you want. He knows everything. The problem is he's waiting for you to get to the end of yourself. And he'll wait and wait and wait. Why? Free will. It's such a beautiful gift. God gives free will to all of us. We can either choose to serve Jesus or not serve Jesus. It's your choice. And so God goes, you can come to the place where you get to the end of yourself, and I'll give you the answers, but I'll wait till you get to the end of yourself. Right? I mean, think about this. Have you ever asked somebody their opinion about a topic, but in the back of your head, you're like, I don't care what they have to say. We've all done this. Right? We're, we're just appeasing somebody. We're just asking a question. We're not really asking a question. Listen, God is the same way. We'll come to him and go, God, I need an answer. And he'll go, you're not ready. Because the answer that I'm going to give you isn't going to make sense. And you want everything to make sense all the time. And until you come to the end of yourself. Let me read you this verse. James chapter four, verse six. It says this, but he continually pours out more and more grace upon us. For it says, God resists you when you're proud, but continually pours out more grace when you're humble. So I remember when we were starting the church and we needed a bunch of equipment to start the church. And I remember we were $30,000 short of all the equipment that I believed we needed to start Elevate Church. And I was getting frustrated and, you know, annoyed and just like, God, you told me to do this. Now, where's the resource? You ever been like that with God before? 
And so I'm like, God, I need answers. And so I felt him speak to me. He said, call Frankie. And Frankie is a friend of mine. I actually interned for him back in the day. He's a pastor. He has a great church called Celebration Church in Houston, Texas, and love Frankie, and they're doing great things. And they're just farther down the road, but they started a church just like us, okay? And so I call Frankie, and what do I really want Frankie to do? Do I want Frankie's wisdom? No, no. I really want Frankie to do what? Somebody tell me. Write a check. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Just get to the bottom line, right? Okay. Listen, I'm thinking like, Frankie, you have this big church. You're well-established. We're this little nothing. You have the ability. What do I want? I want Frankie to write a check for $30,000, right? So I'm on the phone with Frankie, and I'm telling him about our startup, and I'm telling him about everything we're going to do, and I'm, like, driving home the point of all the things we need. Like, I'm like, we have to have $30,000, right, okay? Because I'm like, dude, you're going to write this check, okay? You're going to write this check. And I'm, like, beating it home. And finally, I, like, get down to, like, the end of me. I have nothing more to say, right? And Frankie goes, Jeff, he goes, all you need is a microphone, an acoustic guitar, and some speakers. Just get going. And I remember inside of me, I'm like, I want to fly to to Houston right now and beat the crap out of Frankie right now. Like, I want to hit his face so hard right now. Can I get an amen? Right? It wasn't what I wanted to hear, but it's what I needed to hear. And I remember he goes, hey, call me later. And he hung up. What was the Lord saying through Frankie? He's saying this. What's in your hand? What have I placed in your hand? Just be faithful with what I've put in your hand, and as you're faithful with what I've put in your hand, I'll give you more. People get frustrated at me. They're like, man, our life's financial mess. I'm like, trust the Lord, put your finances in him first. And they'll go, I can't do that. I'm like, no, you're just choosing not to do that. It's a choice. Either put Jesus first or not. Because if you will, he'll just keep adding more. I promise you. This, I, like, you can talk to anybody who trusts the Lord financially. You can trust the, anybody who trusts the Lord that way. Just be faithful. I am so thankful to Elevate Church. I learned that lesson when we started the church. We are just faithful with whatever God puts in our hands. Whatever you put. I, listen, I wish a bunch of you could have been the, here the first day we walked into this building. This place smelled like throw up. Did it not, Jess? It smelled like throw up in here. And I remember the first thing I saw when we opened the door to walk in, there was two dead mice out in the foyer. And I was like, this is what you have for us, God? This is where you want? And he goes, yeah, this is where I want. And we just said, okay, we'll be faithful. If you put this in our hand, we'll be faithful with it. We'll have vision for it. We'll make this place shine. I love when people come into our building for the first time. They always go, man, I can't believe this place is like this. I'm like, we're just faithful with whatever God puts in our hand. 
Amen? It's not always what you want to hear, but it's what you need to hear when you get to the end of yourself and God goes, I'll give you a new strategy. And let me say this. I feel like some of you are working so hard. You're working so hard. But you're working in seasons and places that God isn't there anymore. And he goes, I got a new strategy for you. Verse seven. Then the disciple Jesus loved, okay? Then the disciple Jesus loved said to Peter, it's the Lord. Point number five is this, time spent. Who recognized that it was Jesus? Who recognized the voice of Jesus? It was the one disciple who didn't run. It was John. Let me show you. John chapter 19, verse 25. Standing near the cross where Jesus was, his mother, his sister, her sister Mary, and Mary Magdalene, verse 26. Then Jesus saw his mother standing beside the disciple he loved. Isn't it interesting there's only one disciple at the cross of Jesus Christ. Everybody else ran. But there was one that stayed right next to Jesus the entire time. See, John never left his side. John stayed all the way to the bitter end. But the question is why? Why could John not leave Jesus' side? And the only place that I can come to is John has found the love of God that is too great to understand. Me and Jess talk about this all the time. I love feeling the presence of God here on Sunday mornings. It's just wonderful. Like, to be honest, like, me personally, I could just go, let's just worship for an hour. I, that's just who I am. I just love the presence of God, and I love being with him. But I always tell her, it is nothing like when this place is empty and it's just me and the Lord. He, I, I think God shows up to an audience of one versus the crowd any day. I think he's searching for the audience of one, that one person that just cries out for him. And I love when his presence fills this place. There are times that his presence and his love and his grace is so thick and it's so tangible that like, it feels like all the air in the room is being sucked out. And I can barely breathe, but I love it. I love it. And there is nothing in this entire world that compares when that happens. The other day, I was so excited. Me and Jess had a busy like six weeks and we had Friday and it was beautiful outside. And Jess went golfing with me, everybody. And she golfed and she did a great job. And I was like, 
this is a banner day. This is just a super awesome day. I'm like, this is something we can do together in our life. It's going to, you know, build our marriage. And I just had the best time with Jess golfing the other day. But at the end of the day, it doesn't fill my tank like Jesus. I'm being serious. I mean, there is nothing in this world, like nothing. Like, guys, you gotta understand, like, I love getting a fresh pair of Jordans. Like, it is just like, it's like crack cocaine to me, okay? <laughs> Opening up a fresh pair of J's. I'm like, I don't even wanna put them on my feet. I love them that much. It doesn't compare. Listen, we're all chasing, and here's what the enemy does. He gets us to chase things of this world. He gets us to deceive us. He deceives us to believe that there's something in this world that will satisfy your soul. And John, John realizes there is nothing but Jesus. And I'm going to hold on to him to the very end. This is why John knows his voice. They can't recognize him. Why can't they recognize him? Because it's a trans figure Jesus. He doesn't look the same. He just rose. But John goes, I know that voice. I've been with that voice. I spend time with that voice. I know that voice. I crave that voice. I have a desire and a passion to hear that voice above all voices in the world. Worship team, you guys come on up. This is what he craves. He craves to be close to Jesus. Have you ever had somebody in your life that you just loved being close to? I remember I loved being close to Pastor Pat, our old pastor in Dayton. Pastor Pat, I think he's in his 60s, and he's just served the Lord for a very, very long time. And I can't explain it. All I know is that when when I was close to Pastor Pat, I just felt confident because I was with him. When I was with Pastor Pat, I could feel the presence of God on him. When I was with Pastor Pat, I, I, just, I, I just had a joy and, and a passion just being close to him. And, and this is how it works when we're with Jesus. When we're close to Jesus, he gives us a confidence that we can't find any, anywhere else in this world. I said it a couple weeks ago. If you and I really believe that Jesus is for us, we would walk around with so much confidence. We would just have crazy, crazy confidence. And every situation in our life, we would just look at it from God's perspective and go, oh, we're good. I know this doesn't look good, but I know it's gonna work out because the Lord's for me. This is what happens when we're close to him. I was real stressed out uh, a few days ago, and um, I was praying and the Lord said, he just reminded me of a surfer, and I don't, I don't surf. I don't know how to surf. But he said, when that wave comes, because that happens in life, we have these waves come that are like pressure and they're stress 
and their anxiety, waves of fear, waves of doubt. Have any of you ever doubted following Jesus? I have. I've had doubts. I've had moments. And this wave will come and you're looking at the wave and you think, this wave's gonna crush me. But the Lord said, you know what surfers do? He said, they ride the wave. They ride on top of the wave. And he said, when you have faith in me, you ride on top of the wave and the wave never crushes you and you ride it to victory. When we spend time with Jesus, he gives us fresh perspectives. He said, hey, throw your nets on the other side of the boat. Can I give you a tip? The crazier, the more odd, the more different, the more difficult answer God gives you, I promise you it's the Lord. I promise you. The problem is he gives us new perspective and we go, I don't like that. It's not comfortable. It doesn't feel good. And what we do is we throw it back at God. And he goes, no, I want you to ride the wave in faith. I want you to trust me. I want you to learn how I work. I want you to know it's my timing, not yours. I want to give you a new perspective. I want to give you a new direction. I want to give you a new strategy. Because here's the deal. If you win, so does the kingdom. If you win, so does your friends. Because you will lead them to victory too. So I promise you, God wants you to be the head and not the tail. God wants you to be blessed, highly favored, full of grace, and all he's going is just humble yourself to me. I'll make the way where there is no way. Can I tell that story about Matt and the plaque? I know. So like three years ago, Matt and Jackie, I remember after service, I said, just, I had a prophetic word from them. I just said, hey, I said, I said, the Lord showed me a picture. Matt was in school. He was working full time. They have four kids. Life was crazy. And I said to her, I said, the Lord gave me this prophetic picture of Matt in his new office someday because Matt was going to school to become a counselor. And I said, I saw his name above the door. And, and they were in the middle of him going to school and them just trying to make it. They're just, they're just surviving. They were just surviving at that time. And so this word, this prophetic word was life. You know what's so cool? Two weeks ago, Matt and Jackie came to me and they said, you know what happened? Matt got his office. Matt graduated. Matt had his name above the door. God is so good. God is so faithful. Listen, I promise you, I promise you, God wants you to win. He wants you to have victory, but you're gonna have to choose. Is it either my way or is it God's way? And God's way is a really, really, really good way. Hey, um, I know I don't know you. I think you've got a red Cardinals hat on. Is that cards right there? Yeah? Listen, I just know, man, God is for you. God has his hand on your life. You're at the right place at the right time. God had this word for you today. 
He wanted you to hear this word. He's got fresh perspective, fresh strategy for your life. He's got victory coming. I bless you in the name of Jesus. I release victory and hope and life upon you and your family in Jesus' name. Why don't you all stand up this morning? Come on, raise your hands if you want fresh perspective. Come on, just raise your hands to heaven. Father, we love you. Jesus, we praise you. We worship you and you alone, Lord. We thank you, God, for your thoughts. Your thoughts that are greater than our thoughts. Your thoughts that are higher than our thoughts. We thank you, God, for your wisdom, your understanding, your revelation, your truth. Holy Spirit, we ask in the name of Jesus for fresh wisdom, fresh understanding, fresh understanding about our kids and our spouse, fresh understanding about our jobs, fresh understanding about our homes, fresh understanding about our future. Hannah, the Lord says he has your future. Just trust him, be obedient. Don't step out of his timing. He's got it all worked out. His timing, his plan, but he knows your heart. He knows your desires. He cares about them. He knows them. He has them all written down. He's got a plan for every single one of them. In Jesus' name. Father, we thank you for your grace. Lord, we ask in the name of Jesus that you would breathe on us, that your life would breathe on us, that you would stir that fire in our soul to serve you, to be passionate for you, to put you first. We thank you, God, for breathing life on us. Fill us, fill us, fill us with your passion. Fill us with your desires. Fill us with your dreams. Fill us with your hope. Lord, we commit as a church, Elevate Church, to be passionate for you. We commit that we aren't going to seasonally serve you. We commit every season, every week, every year, every month that we're going to passionately go after you, Jesus. We're going to go after your kingdom. We're going to go after your people. And we're going to serve you with passion. Lord, you will not find a lukewarm church here, but you will find a church that is passionate for you. God, we ask that you bless your people, that your favor, your favor would abound to them. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.